Welcome to Freedom Thinkers, where we analyze current events and political topics to promote free thought on college campuses and throughout America. In this episode, we're talking about the impeachment inquiry, how it got started, and the political motivation behind it. So there's been a lot of talk on impeachment. We've heard it for about three years now, it seems like, Parker. And um, so today we're going to kind of get a backdrop since the impeachment inquiry officially got launched uh, last week. So kind of the backdrop on it is that last Tuesday, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi announced that the House would begin proceedings to formally investigate President Trump based on an unnamed whistleblower's accusation that he tried to strong-arm the president of Ukraine for his own political gain. And the things that make this very interesting is that Joe Biden, also presidential nominee for the Democratic Party, is involved. So it's going to be an interesting episode, Parker. Are you ready to go? Yeah, I think for starters, uh, it's important to note this is not new. I mean, it, the, the, the inquiry in itself is very new. However, since Trump has been in office and really before, there were threats if we're going yeah. to impeach Trump. And so that's been like the drumbeat of a lot of the people on the left uh, for the past three years. Uh, AOC had an interview where she said, we have plenty of evidence to impeach Trump, uh, but there had been no inquiry at that point. They, yep. uh, you know, there was the Russian investigation. There's been several more uh, like hints of, oh, we're going to impeach Trump, but this is the first real development mm-hmm. uh, towards impeachment, or at least the process of impeachment. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of misunderstanding because people hear impeachment and think that when someone's impeached that they're just thrown out of office, which is definitely not the case. Impeachment means that they're being inquired about. And in the Constitution, the president, vice president, and civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for a conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors, which are determined by the first off the Congress and um, both the House and the Senate. So the impeachment inquiry always starts in the House that has been kind of the— you know, kind of the history behind it. And only two presidents have been um, under those proceedings before. So it's definitely an interesting um, interesting scenario. And it all kind of started back a couple of years ago, like I said, with the whole Russia thing that people have been kind of waiting to impeach Trump, it seems like. And so it seems like this whole Ukraine deal kind of has been the the straw to break the camel's back to say so this is kind of a kind of an interesting uh, development so it all started back in 2016 when um you know trump was talking to uh, the newly elected president of the ukraine and um according to the transcripts per se that president trump was pressuring the newly elected president of ukraine to investigate joe biden's son hunter uh, Biden, who had to deal with um, Ukraine's gas industry. So, you know, he did have some interesting, um, some might say conflicts of interest on that on that board. So that was where things got interesting and where Trump pressed um, the Ukrainian president to kind of investigate Joe Biden's son. And the thing where it gets interesting is now that since Joe Biden's running for president again, that's where the, you know, the kind of the the accusation of it being politically motivated exactly exactly so it's interesting to see that this is happening kind of as we're starting the 2019-2020 election cycle and so i don't see this ending anytime soon and um and so you know democrats have been wanting to impeach trump for pretty much since 2016 it seems like and nancy pelosi has been 
stiff-arming her own party pretty much and saying, no, we're not going to open this. We're not going to do it. And it's not because she's buddies with Trump. It's because she wants to have control of her own party. And it could be political suicide if you go in and nothing happens. Exactly. It's a huge risk to say we're going to impeach someone exactly. and nothing happened. Well, and that just charges up the other base that much more to come out and show up in the elections. Democrats, they had a big, you know, a big year back in 2018 in the midterms, and they gained some seats, and obviously they gained the majority back. So, in the House, in the, which is in the House, yes, which is obviously where the impeachment inquiry starts. So it's interesting, you know, because the dynamics are quite different in the House than they are in the Senate. So, you know, it's just an interesting role to see what's going to go down from here. Which on both sides. I don't think either side can say they're going to remove Trump from office. Yeah. Because there's no way, unless there is a clear crime, that the Senate will vote to remove him from office. And therefore, I don't... The, I get, the primary political motivation behind this is to sway the election, which is ironic because that's the <laughs> crime they're accusing Trump of committing. Yeah. Because uh, I, be, I would not be surprised if he does get impeached. Uh, however, I do not see him getting removed from office. And uh, an interesting comment from the Washington Post uh, on an article talking about impeachment, uh, they, they cite the clause of the Constitution, and they claim that there does not have to be clear evidence of a crime for Congress to impeach tr- uh, the president. Uh, I would disagree with that heavily from the clause. If you read the clause, it says, uh, for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. I think that's clearly you have to ha- have committed a criminal act against your country yeah. And I have a hard time believing that this is a criminal act. If you read the transcript, I don't see, like, the, the quid pro quo is that there was promises or threats made if the request is either completed or declined. Yeah. I don't see that. There is a phrase, there are a few phrases where Trump does say, we've done this for Ukraine, done this for Ukraine. So there is a sense in which, oh, we're getting on his good side here. But I don't see an actual evidence for Trump pressuring or promising anything in the actual phone call. So you don't think this is an impeachable or removable offense? I certainly don't think it's removable. Yeah. Um, and I would, I would need more to have evidence to believe it was impeachable. Yeah. Well, I think it's very dangerous, though, too, for any president of the United States, whether Democrat or Republican, to be talking about political adversaries with your foreign partner or enemy or whatever like that. So I think the president does need to be careful on what he is saying to other leaders because it does it does matter, you know. And and the White House has been dealing with leaks ever since day one pretty much too. So it's loyalty is something that the White House needs to get in order and they need to have, you know, whistleblowers are protected by federal law, but it's also important for people to have trusted advisors that aren't going to leak information and transcripts out to the media, press, you know, people, et cetera. So it's important to um, to have loyalty in the White House, something that the White House currently does not have, it seems like. so. Which Trump released the transcript. Yes. Trump, which, which is important. Yes, he did. Um, because that shows that at least some in some form he is confident enough. Uh, like you don't have the Nixon situation where when Nixon – Exactly. Of course, he left office, resigned before he got impeached. He was clearly going to get removed from office. Uh, but he was like, I have executive privilege. Trump went ahead and said, look, you can see this thing. I don't really, I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. Because uh, I think there is, it's very, we're in a gray area. 
Because, like, is there a clear crime here? The argument can be made, yes. Otherwise, Nancy Pelosi would not have moved forward. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it can also be made that he was just doing, as he said, what presidents, what heads of state are supposed to do. Yeah. It's it's interesting. And the the clause in the Constitution is actually, it seems pretty vague. It seems open to interpretation. And so it is important who's in leadership. And um, Senator Mitch McConnell said that, if it were to pass the House, he would take it up in the Senate as it is a constitutional, you know. Which he should, but that doesn't mean it won't pass. That doesn't mean it won't oh, pass. Oh, exactly. Well, you don't, need, you don't need just half. You don't need a majority. You have to have those. Three-fourths? Two-thirds majority two-thirds. To, to pass these votes. So it's it would take around, you know, 67 votes in the Senate to, to pass this impeachment. So it doesn't seem likely at all in the Senate if it even does pass the House, which is quite a challenge. So it seems it seems like an interesting uh, development. What do you think Trump's strategy is going into his reelection bid for 2020 and with this huge, huge story, which will pretty much, I think, define the campaign of 2020 for both parties? I think he embraces it and hopes that Democrats fall on their face. Uh, I think he says, yeah, this is the phone call I made. And Democrats are just—I think he spins it as fully political, which there is an element of politics to it. I mean, oh, yeah. politics is a—it's a political game. And so I think he's going to say they—they're do, doing it because they don't want me to get reelected. There's no crime; they're just doing it because they're politically against me. Which you could also make the argument that's why he made the phone call in the first place. Yeah. But I think on the other hand, you have Democrats say, "Look, he's committed a crime." But the only issue with that is, which is. Unfortunately, this is working against the Democrats. You've had them calling, you know, crimes, treason, impeachment since day one. So we kind of have a boy who cried wolf situation here mm-hmm. where it's like, who's going to take you seriously? We all saw the Mueller hearings. Yeah. And he, he was not completely exonerated, but he was not committed. He didn't commit a crime. Or, uh, he, or he would have very quickly. You know, he would have been convicted of exactly. committing a crime. So that obviously wasn't, wasn't true. So it's kind of like... Well, great, you've got possible grounds for an impeachment, but I thought you had those two years ago. Uh, so now the new, now I think the American people are tired of hearing impeachment. And I think that honestly is going to work for Trump's favor because now your base is going to get worked up. Yeah. Well, I just think from from my perspective, at least speaking from my personal point of view, is that this whole impeachment thing that we have heard for years is the same thing that got him elected in the first place, you know, is when— America doesn't feel like their voice is being heard. And Trump tapped into that emotion and that anger against the establishment. And that's why he got elected. Everyone was shell-shocked, you know, in the media and in the polls and all that kind of stuff. He completely defied the odds. And I feel like America has not learned its lesson yet, or at least the media has not learned its lesson yet. And that if they keep doing this, that it's just helping Trump even more. So I think it's kind of charging up his base for 2020, which is— exactly what he wants and i think exactly why he released that transcript because he wants his base to be charged up he wants those donations to be coming in and when you have a big impeachment cause or something like that that's what brings in the money you know and that's which it did exactly he made a bunch of money when that came out i mean millions of dollars poured into his campaign and he has so much money on hand just he completely outspends any of the democrats by far so it's just it's an interesting development and i think i want to hear your perspective on what the Democrats' point of view and what their 
focus will be on coming up in 2020? Will it be solely on the impeachment or will they try to, you know, fray away from some of the big issues and talk just about education and, you know, taxes and all that kind of stuff, healthcare? Do you think they'll be focusing on that or do you think they'll be focusing just on the attack? Oh, there'll be plenty of attacking done. (laughs) I think uh, it would be in their best interest to avoid it. Um, I think the the people who are going to vote for you have heard enough about Trump. If you're going to sway people, because there are Republicans who don't like Trump who could be convinced to vote for Warren or Biden or Bernie. However, one way to do that is to present true policy mm. and not just focus on, okay, Trump's evil, which they've done a little bit of. Uh, unfortunately, with the debates, the way they're structured, you don't get a lot of real policy, in-depth yeah. uh, answers. However, uh, I, unfortunately for them, I think they're going to go after Trump. I think that's going to be the go-to. It's going to be impeachment. See, he's he's a criminal. we got to get him out of office. And the American people are just sick of hearing that. We've heard it. It's like, okay, well, now what's my alternative? Give me some. I mean, that was the big issue with 2016. Was no one wanted to vote for Hillary Clinton? No one really wanted to vote for Trump. I mean, Trump had a base, but like personally, I would. It was you know for me, I was like, man, I wish we could have had a better Republican nominee. Mm. But I'm definitely not voting for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Uh, but instead, it's now we've got a super left leaning Democratic platform where they're all promoting uh, at least partial socialism. They're all promoting healthcare for all, large government programs. That is something that. I don't know if the American people's on board for it yet. Mm. I think it's interesting, just since the 2016 election, the parties have shifted dramatically, I feel like. The Republican Party has become the Trump Party, whether I think a lot of Republicans feel kind of either out of place or just kind of stuck in no man's land, where they're, they don't like the person of Trump, but they like the policies of you know, anti-abortion, pro-less taxes, less government. Uh, you know, pro Second Amendment, yet they don't like the tweets that come out. They don't like the lack of character sometimes that come out from the highest office in America. And I think in the the Democratic Party, it's just completely shifted so far left that there's this huge just swath of America in the middle that is kind of just waiting and waiting for someone to kind of tap into that character. So I don't. It's interesting to see just the shift. In just such a short amount of time that it's it's interesting. I think in the 2020 election, we'll see some of the Democratic side go straight for anti-Trump, which Elizabeth Warren has seemed to tap into that kind of energy. Whereas Joe Biden, he is anti-Trump, but he also likes to talk about the issues of providing health care for all and kind of more of a middle ground, though, more than the progressive liberal on the left side. So I think it's I think you'll see, especially in these next couple debates that are coming up, I think the field will get smaller. People will start dropping out a little bit, too. And you'll start hearing some more of the, the issues, which will be good for especially the Democratic Party to kind of see where some of the candidates lie, especially since we haven't seen a debate since this impeachment inquiry come out last week. So I think it'll be interesting to see in the upcoming debate where a lot of the Democrats, where their strategy lies. So I think it'll be I think it'll be interesting. So kind of what's coming up next is that there are six committees uh, that are going to start hearing and inquiring into the whistleblower and some of these investigations. First off, that was initiated by Speaker Nancy Pelosi of California. But the committees that are assigned to inquiring about this report include the Judiciary Committee, who uh, is famously chaired by Jerry Nadler of New York. 
the Intelligence Committee, which is also famously chaired by Redham, excuse me, Rep. Adam Schiff of, of California, the Ways and Means Committee, the Final Financial Services Committee, which is chaired by Maxine Waters of California, the Oversight and Foreign Affairs Committee by Rep. Engel, uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer are also involved if it does go and pass into the Senate, and presiding will be Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts, if that is what comes to it. So it'll be interesting to see how fast this inquiry moves, especially, you know, government's not known for their speedy efficiency. So I do have a feeling this could be lasting well into next year, which will be interesting to know if the currently sitting president will be impeached or removed from office while running again for office in 2020. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and that um, you can provide us with your insights and reviews on Spotify and Apple Music. So we pr- appreciate your listening and your, um, your point of view. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. So thanks for joining us on Freedom Thinkers, and we'll see you next time.